been. Church, the thing I love about this church is if I was just to stand here and talk, this would go on forever, but as soon as I start reading from the scriptures, they'll be quiet. <laughs> it is a fine October morning. Lord is faithful to deliver winter to us. Some of us are pleased, others of us are not. Those of you who are not can move to Florida, except for Pap. No Florida for Pap. No Georgia for Pap. Pastor John Nicholas will be in Genesis chapter 34 this morning. He's been looking forward to this message, this oft-taught piece of scripture. And so um, I, will, I will read from Genesis chapter 34. We'll pause and, and we'll pray, and then uh, we'll hear the result of Pastor John Nicholas's study. Genesis chapter 34. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to see the women of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he seized her and lay with her and humiliated her. And his soul was drawn to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, he loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. So Sechem spoke to his father, Hamor, saying, Get me this girl for my wife. Now Jacob heard that he had defiled his daughter Dinah, but his sons were with the livestock in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they came. And Hamor, the father of Sechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. The sons of Jacob had come in from the field. So as they heard of it and the men were indignant and very angry because he had done an outrageous thing in Israel by laying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing must not be done. But Hamor spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Sechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him to be his wife. Make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us and take our daughters for yourselves. You shall dwell with us and the land will be open to you. Dwell and trade in it and get property in it. Sechem also said to her father and to her brothers, Let me find favor in your eyes, and whatever you say to me I will give. Ask me for as a great bride of price, and I will gift as you will, and I will give whatever you say to me. Only give me the young woman to be my wife. The sons of Jacob answered Sechem and his father Hamor deceitfully, because he had defiled their sister Dinah. They said to them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. Only on this condition we will agree with you that you will become as we are by every male among you being circumcised. Then we will give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters to ourselves, and we will dwell with you and become one people. But if you will not listen to us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and we will be gone. Their words pleased Hamor, and Hamor's son Sechem. And the young man did not delay to do the thing because he was delighted in Jacob's daughter. Now he was the most honored of all of his father's house. So Hamor and his son Sechem came to the gate of their city and spoke to the men of the city, saying, These men are at peace with us. Let them dwell in the land and trade in it. For behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters as wives and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition... Will the men agree to dwell with us to become one people? When every male among us is circumcised as they are circumcised, 
Will not their livestock and their property and all their beasts be ours? Only let us agree with them, and they will dwell with us. And all who went to the gate of the city listened. Hamor and his son Shechem and every male was circumcised, all who went out for the gate of the city. On the third day, when they were sore, the two sons of Jacob, Simon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and came against the city while it felt secure and killed all of the males. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the sword and took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went away. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered city because they had defiled their herds, because they had defiled their sister, and they took their flocks and their herds and their donkeys and whatever was in the city and in the field, all their wealth, all their little ones, all their wives, all that was in the houses, they captured and plundered. Then Jacob said to Simon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me stink to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the Perizzites, and my numbers are few. And if they gather themselves against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. But they said, should he treat our sister like a prostitute? Let's pray. God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for its unbridled truth. We thank you that it presents what has happened and gives us opportunity to understand your will through your word. Lord, let this be our only guide for life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. St. Olga, around Kiev, the 10th century, uh, a story which is known in that part of the world, is known in the part of the Ukraine. She was born to Viking parents. She marries Prince Igor, who ends up murdered by the Drevlians, a neighboring tribe. She is left alone at the age of 20 with a young son. The Drevlians send an emissary suggesting that she marry their leader, Prince Maul. And she welcomes them in deceptively. Come, I will entertain this idea. She tells the emissaries that come that put this proposal out. She says, listen, wait in your boat that's on the shoreline. Just wait in your boat because I'm really interested in this. What you've said is very, very appealing to me. You know, I'm in this situation. Uh, You have wealth. I have wealth. And that night, her people dug a pit around the boat, upturned the boat, and buried them alive. Now, before the word got back to their kingdom, she sends for their other emissaries. And they come, and they go into the bathhouse that she has there. These wealthy people that are representing the Drevlians, Drevlians, right? And she has the bathhouse set on fire, and they all are killed. Then she decides to hold a funeral feast in honor of her husband. 
And these Drevlians come to mourn with her, seeking to make peace with her. And she waits until they are all drunk and has them massacred. And then finally, she lays siege, her people lay siege to their city. Uh, it's modern day Khorostan, where it's at. She tricks them with a peace offering. She says, if, just if each house, this is all I require from you, if from each house you give me three sparrows and three pigeons, I will accept that as your peace offering and we will have peace between our nations. When they received these birds, her men tied sulfurous cloth to the feet of the birds and let them go. They all flew back to their, where they came from in the houses in the city caught on fire and burned to the ground. And as everybody was leaving the city, they either murdered them or they put them, enslaved them. It is quite a story of revenge. It is quite a story of going above and beyond what has occurred to exact what a person thinks is necessary for the crime. And we have another story today that John Weathersby read in Genesis chapter 34, a story of revenge. It is a fascinating story, not often preached upon, perhaps sometimes avoided, because it deals with the uncomfortable subject of rape. But we find that there are many players in this story. People that have their actions have brought about the events that have occurred. Hence the title is that choices have consequences. Choices have consequences. If we were to turn to Genesis chapter 31, verse 13, prior to even speaking about this story, we would, we would find uh, these words, Genesis chapter 31, verse 13, the Lord speaking, it was the story of the speckled and striped and mottled goats, it says, I, the God of Bethel, Bethel, house of God, the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me, now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your kin. So here is God's command. Return to the land of your kin. Now if you just turn forward just a little bit, Genesis chapter 33 Verse 17. But Jacob journeyed to Succoth and built for himself a house and made booths for his livestock. Therefore, the place is named Succoth. Now, I don't know about you, but one thing is for certain, this is not his homeland. And number two, when you build a house, you're putting down roots. It is one thing to stay in a tent and saying we're going to be here temporarily. It's another thing where it says specifically that he built a house. 
And then let's continue in verse 18. Now Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padan Aram, and he camped before the city. Then, notice this, he bought a portion of a field where he had pitched his tent from the hand of the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, for 100 keteth. Then he set up an altar and called it El Elohi Israel. So we have house building and land buying. Sounds a little permanent by my account. God specifically said, return to the land of your people. And this kind of set, this sets up the entry point into our story today. Remember, choices have consequences. Sometimes we are not good at seeing around the turn up ahead what those consequences are. But I would propose to you that when we choose that is not in a path that God desires us to be, that we proceed at our own risk. Now, Dinah, in verse 1 of chapter 34, now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, so this is the, uh, the, uh, the youngest that she has, the youngest daughter that she has of Leah, uh, the only daughter that she has, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. She is, for some reason, they are in this Canaanite land, they are Hivites that are there, but for some reason she is interested in what they are doing. She is fascinated by this other culture, we could say. She wants to see where they are living. Perhaps, just speculation, and we want to always be careful with speculation. We don't want to go too far. We don't want to stray from the text. Uh, we, only, we only want to speak about what the text says or what it, clearly what it clearly says or what it clearly implies. But it says that it went out to sea, and that term, a, a, a sea, ruah, from the, from the Hebrew, would be that uh, idea of examining uh, with some introspection. But for some reason, she is going out to see what they are doing. We could almost even imagine that maybe they do things, maybe they work in the fields, maybe they get their water, maybe they tend to the flocks differently than we do. But I'm here, I want to go see. I want to I see the territory. I want to see the land. I want to see the town. Now remember, we've gotten here. We're in this area because, because Jacob has not gone back to his homeland, to the land of his people. Okay? That's where we're at. That's where... We are sojourning as, it's, as it is for a period of time right now with this, this verse. You will notice another thing before I even go any further, that in this entirety of this, of verse 34, or chapter 34, God is not mentioned once. There is no Yahweh, there is no God, there is no Lord mentioned at all in these passages. It says, she went to see the daughters of the land. The interest in the Canaanite women. And it says then in verse 2, then Shechem, the son of Hamor the, the Hivite, the prince of the land. 
to Havor, uh, excuse me, Hamor. He is the, in the leader, his son Shechem. So we have some authority or uh, some great authority of the land. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, and, and his son who would have that assumed authority being the son of there, <coughs> excuse me, sees Leah. And it says he took her and lay with her and violated her. Now, it is interesting in this passage that you, that you will not find the word, uh, the, the Hebrew word for rape used in this passage. That does not mean that rape did not occur. Because what we see in the writing of this text, we see the construction of the sentence implies it absolutely occurred. Because it says, number one, that he took her. Number two, he lay with her. So he had sex with her. So, okay, so he took and he lay, not necessarily in the sentence construction that this is rape, but it's the next word that gets us. And it says, and he violated her. Now, we translate violate. We put violate in there. Great word for that. We understand it. But also in that Hebrew term that is used there, it says, he humiliated her. This wasn't a willing act by Dinah. The man saw what he wanted, and he took what he wanted. The man saw what, what he desired, and he took it. She had innocently enough, so she was innocent at the time. She was a virgin at the time. Uh, she merely went out, so she went away from her camp, she went away from her people. She is distant from her people. And she went out to see the women of the land. And as a result, because of the choices that her father made to stay there, as a result, she was in harm's way. This man saw her and took her and raped her. Okay? That's where we land on this story. We would, as, as we look, it, it says here in verse 3, and it says, And he, nonetheless, Shechem, he was deeply attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the young woman and spoke to the heart of the young woman. Almost, he is trying to convince her that he truly loves her. After the fact. After what he's done. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor, saying, get me this girl as a wife. So he said three and four. He spoke to the heart of her. Of course, she, had, she wanted nothing to do with it after she was violated. She wanted nothing uh, to, to do with it after the stain of the act was placed upon her or done to her. After she was defiled by this Canaanite, a pagan, Right? We don't want to forget that. In this pagan land where she's at, she doesn't listen because he needs to go to his father. She doesn't want to have anything to do with what he is trying to do or trying to, 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 to gain her after the fact. 
So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor saying, get me this girl as a wife. I want this girl as a wife. Dad, you had the power in the land. Use your power to make this happen for me. Choices have consequences. Now Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah. Three times defiled is used in this, in this, 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 this chapter. So now after the event, after the act, after the violation, he's tried to convince her. She doesn't want to have anything to do with it. He goes to his father. I want her as a wife. She goes back to her people. Jacob heard that he, Shechem, had defiled Dinah, his daughter, but his sons were with his livestock in the field, so Jacob kept silent until they came in. Now, remember, who is hearing this? The Israel, after they've been taken out of Egypt. They're the ones that, that, that first received this. Moses didn't write this down for, for people in Harrisburg in the 21st century. He, he wrote this down that the Israelites might know their story, how they got to where they were at. What's Jacob's name again? Israel. Given. Right. So, we could go into an exposition of Leviticus 18, right, where you see all the sexual sins and stuff that are in there. Uh, but what we do know here, rather than all the intricacies of the sexual sins that are noted in Leviticus, is that we do know that this here is recognized as rape and is recognized as that she has been defiled and that is recognized that she is no longer marriable because of this. She is no longer would be desired by another man at this time because of what has happened to her. And so when Jacob finds out, it is curious that it says, and the Israelites are hearing this, by the way, this is what happened. It is curious of what is said there that she was defiled, but, but, so he heard, but his sons were in the field, so, okay, so, so everybody's out in the field, so Jacob kept silent until they came in. Now, this is not meant to think that Jacob is cowardly. And you know how I, you know, how I know it doesn't say, that, that it doesn't mean Jacob was cowardly? Because it doesn't say Jacob was cowardly. All it says is give me the facts. It's giving me the facts that he said, I wasn't going to do anything until my sons came in. And why is that? Because they're certainly outnumbered where they live. They are not the big group. These Canaanites, these Hivites, are the ones that occupy the land. Anything that he might do could, be seen, could, could end the promises that God has given they could be slaughtered because, remember, they live in a very violent world. So, verse 6. Then Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak to him. And that would end our first section. So we have this whole interaction with pagans. 
that occurred because Jacob decided to live there. Jacob's decided to, we're, we're buying land, we're setting houses, we're doing all these things. We're going to stay here. God said way back when, he said back in 31, he said, go to the land of your people, but for a period of time, I'm, I'm, I'm staying here. I'm buying land, building houses, this is what I'm going to do. My daughter goes out to see the interesting people of the land, she ends up violated and defiled. So Hamor went to Jacob to speak to him. So now we get this picture, this, remember this, the, now the, the revenge plot is going to be, is going to be fomented, is going to be, going to be designed right here, is going to be, is going to come into picture. It says in verse eight, uh, verse seven then, now the sons of Jacob came in from the field, the thing that he was waiting for, and when they heard it, the men were grieved. Uh, they were upset to their core. They were emotionally distraught about what happened to their daughter, and they were very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing. Look at the language that is used here, prepositional phrase, in Israel, the first time Israel is spoken of as a place and not a person, or as a people and not a persons, happens right here. By lying, and they were this disgraceful thing that we have taken on as a people, this thing that these, these Gentiles have done to us as a people, remember Israel is hearing this, they're seeing the actions of pagans towards them, right? He said, this disgraceful thing by lying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing ought not to be done. So this is not an idea of what he has done. This is not an idea that is new in the land. This is something that is seen by them as disgraceful, uh, to defile a woman in this manner. And the sons are upset. And we could say as good brothers would be for what has happened to their sister. But those prepositions, we a proposal comes. But Hamor spoke with them, saying, the soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him as a wife. My son, even though he did this heinous act, he truly loves her. Just give her as a wife and all things are washed over and covered. We can forget about that act because they will be husband and wife. We can wash it under the table, what has occurred between us and you. We can make everything right if marriage were just to occur. It's an inner marriage proposal. Please give her to him as a wife and intermarry with us. Give your daughters to us and take our daughters for yourselves. Mm. My goodness. Everything in this text up until this point in time it says to not marry or intermingle with the people of the land. And here's this proposal in front of them. Do this thing. We can cover over all the sins that have occurred between your people and my people. 
Choices are being made as we speak. And remember, God is not mentioned at all in this, for, in this chapter. Now, we understand that God is sovereign over everything, but God is not mentioned at all in this chapter. We also understand that Israel is hearing the story about what happened, this disgraceful thing that happened in Israel. And before them is this idea of intermarrying with these Hivites, ones that do not worship the God that they worship, that do not live as they live, that do not do as they do. And it says, we can intermarry your daughters with our, with our sons, vice versa. Thus you shall live with us, and the land shall be open before you. Live and trade in it, take possession of property in it. Still missing. Return to the land of your people. They are, it's a bride price that is being offered here. Ask me whatever so much, a bridal payment and gift, and I will give according, to, according as you say to me, but give me the girl as a wife. In other words, I'll do whatever it takes and pay whatever it takes to have her as a bride. We apologized. I ran past 11 there where Shechem also said to her father and to her brothers, if I find favor in your sight, then I would give whatever you say to me. Ask me ever so much bridal payment and gift, and I will give according as you say to me, but give me the girl as a wife. Now, we would understand from Israel's viewpoint of women is much different now I'm talking Israel, who is hearing this story, is much different than what is seen in the ancient world by these pagan cultures. They would see, number one, in, uh, one there, that there is value to the woman. She is just not an object. They would know that by God's instruction. And they would also see it demonstrated here that not only are women valuable, but they're not seen. Uh, even back here, they would see that, that their origin they would, they would see that Dinah was valuable. They would understand that they were, they would understand why they were upset because of the violation that has occurred. Even though they'll pay the bride price. Verse 12, ask me whatever, and I will give that to you as a gift for the girl. 13, but Jacob's sons answered Shechem and his father Hamor with deceit. Jacob didn't know what they were doing. Choices are being made. God is not being consulted. A sister has been violated. And thus they spoke because he had defiled Dinah, their sister. And they said to them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised. We can't give him to one that does not look like us. For that would be a reproach to us. Notice that it's a reproach to us, not a reproach to the Lord. Notice that this isn't the, that they're thinking very inwardly about what has happened to their sister, and they're not thinking outwardly of what it looks like to the to the entirety of the God that they worship. Their anger is welling up. They are making choices about what needs to be done here.
verse 15, only on this condition will we consent to you if you will become like us in that every male among you be circumcised. So now they are taking, uh, and then we will give our daughters to you and we will take your daughters for ourselves and we will live with you and become one people. So in other words, this has, this is, if you look outwardly like us, everything will be good. If you just look like us, there's no circumcision of the heart, there's no change in worshiping the Lord, there's none of those things are occurring. If you just look outwardly like us, we will be like the same people. If you just do this thing, you just say this prayer, you just attend this service, just read this book. If you just do these things, we can, we can say we're brothers. But see, the Lord isn't behind this plan. Revenge is behind this plan. A plot is hatched here. A purely uh, man-centered goal is thrown out here. There is no, uh, there is, this isn't about the honor of the Lord that one of his children has been violated. This is about their own feelings. And do not misunderstand me, this type of crime needs to be punished. But what happens here, what is going on here, they are taking a sacred act of God and they're using it for their own ends. They're taking a sacred act that has been given by the Lord, circumcision, that covenant of circumcision, and they're using it to manipulate a situation to get what they desire. And I can tell you right now, that is not good. That is violating all the principles of who, who, the God that they worship. And they are certainly will not be representing the Lord in doing this thing. Using what he has given, using what he has given to get their revenge. But if you will not listen to us, in verse 17, to be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and go. Now the words seemed good in the sight of Hamor and Shechem, Hamor's son. So the young man did not delay to do the thing because he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. Now he was more honored than all the household of his father. So Hamor, this one who violated this woman, was more honored in the household of his father. That says a bit about this uh, this 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 Canaanite culture. So Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of their city and spoke to the men of the city saying, and just a little aside there, uh, a lot of business was done at the gates of the city. That's why you see gates of the city mentioned throughout the scripture. A lot of times that's where the commerce was done at. That's a lot of times where judgment was done by judges at the gate of the city. So it is not uncommon for this to say, hey, all the men pass through here, by here. We can gather all the men here. We can talk to them about this thing that we're proposing. And by the way, this is going to be a good thing. You're going to see. You're going to see how it's going to be good for these Hivites. You will notice that I'm using Hivite and Canaanite back and forth. Canaanite being a giant area. Hivites being the Canaanites within a certain area. Excuse me. They spoke to the men of the city, saying, These men are peaceful. So these ones of Jacob are peaceful with us. Therefore, let them live in the land and trade in it. For behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters for us as wives and give our daughters to them. 
Notice this. Only on this condition will the man consent to live with us, to become one people, that every male among us be circumcised as they are circumcised. Now, here's the selling point that they do. Pagans will do what pagans are going to do, right? And it says here, well, not, will not their livestock and what they acquire and all their cattle be ours? Only let us consent to them and they will live with us. So these choices that are being made, one that the, the sons are talking of Jacob is talking in deceitful, deceitfulness on the circumcision, using the sacred covenant that God has given to get their own way. But now these Canaanite people are also being deceitful, saying, well, if we do this thing, we'll get all that they have. We're going to profit off this situation that started with the violation of a daughter who had never been with a man. This is going to work out great for everybody. Choices are being made. Things are set into motion. Things are going to happen. This anger that comes about. Will not their livestock be ours? In 24, verse 24, and all who went out of the gate of, the, of his city listened to Hamor and to his son Shechem, and every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of his city. So all, all the men, and more importantly, all the fighting age men were circumcised. Now, now we have the fruition of the decision that have been made. Now it happened that on the third day, when they were in pain, now, for an adult male to get circumcision, the recovery time is in the neighborhood of six weeks. We would go back to the story of, uh, we would go back to the story of Zipporah and Moses and the circumcision that was applied from the son to Moses because he wasn't circumcised correctly. Moses had a job to do. Uh, circumcision by Zipporah on the sun was placed upon Moses himself uh, in, in that place because Moses had stuff to do. He couldn't wait for six weeks or eight weeks or 20 weeks. <laughs> I mean, so, the, so they waited three days. This is right after this event has occurred. They are plotting in their minds. All the fighting age men of the city are uh, in, in, bad, in, in a bad state. And it says in 25... It says in 25, now it happened on the third day when they were in pain that two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword and came upon the unsuspecting city and killed every male. And they killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the edge of the sword and took Dinah from Shechem's house and went away. Jacob's sons came upon the slain and plundered the city. Plundered the city because they had defiled their sister. They took their flocks and their herds and their donkeys and that which, which was in the city and that which was in the field. And they captured and plundered all their wealth and all their little ones and their wives, even all that was in the houses. In other words, this is a picture of ultimate destruction is what has been done. Notice who didn't authorize it. God. I don't see God anywhere in these actions. All I see is, a, is brothers that are using something from God to get what they desire, which is revenge on their sister, revenge for their sister against these people. I don't see God telling them to do this. 
and neither will you when you look at these passages. What I see is a patriarch that has led them into this land and stayed there. I see a daughter that wasn't protected by her family, was left to go out and and wander amongst the people. I see a virgin daughter that was violated because of that. I see a father that did not take swift action to protect his daughter after it was violated or to punish those. And I see sons that work out of anger to get what they want. What I don't see is God in any of the decisions that are being made here. These choices have all been made without the Lord. They know better. This does not excuse what has happened to Dinah. But their actions of what they're doing to plunder an entire city. Notice, notice if we just go back to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? There's the pleading for the city. If there's just ten, ten, right? God doesn't punish the righteous. What he says about Sodom and Gomorrah is that there's none that are there. But it is his decision of righteousness, not man's decision of righteousness. Here we're taking, they have taken God's, they have taken God's judgment into their own hands. They have taken God's sacrament into their own hands. And they have used it against these people as representatives of God unauthorized to do so. Choices have consequences. And what does it say in verse 30 and 31? Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me. Now notice, you brought trouble on me. This is, the entirety of this chapter is inwardly focused. The entirety chapter is not anything about honoring the Lord. It's about me. The choices have consequences, and what they're saying is, what, here's what I believe about God. This is all about me. I'm not even thinking about God in all this. I'm worried about me. I'm worried about my, you know, all of a sudden the promise that I will give you this land, and you'll have all these people, and they will be a blessing for forever, that's out of the door. You have brought me trouble, making me odious, or making me stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And my men, being few in number, they will gather together against me and strike me, and I will be destroyed, I and my household. There is nothing about God's honor that has been violated here. Their choices that they have done, their lack of action or lack of following through that Jacob has done, their choices to seek revenge of what the sons have done, have led to this thing where it is inwardly and arrogantly focused on themselves and what will happen to them. It has nothing to do with glorifying God and what they should have been seeking to do then. A father that, 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 that allowed this to go on, think about this for a second, he was all on board with them marrying even though his daughter was raped. Think about that for a second. Even though his daughter was violated, he was all willing to do this because it would be an advantage for them too. 
So it is a difficult story as we come down to here, all my household. And then they say in 31, they say, should we treat our sister as a harlot? Indicating, by the way, dad, that's exactly the way you've treated our sister. That she could be violated and bought for advantage. Choices have consequences, and here's where we land. They have not honored the Lord in the things that they've done. They have, uh, they have not sought God's, uh, uh, they have not sought God's counsel in what has been done. And we know, we have various times when, they, when they, they, they've spoken with the Lord. They have sought their own, what they desired. They have let their anger foment. They have let their anger run rampant to do this, and they've destroyed an entire city. They have, how do I want to say this? Anger can drive men to do things of which there is no recovery from. Anger can drive men to do things of which there's no point to recover from. And the father didn't guide the sons. The father didn't protect the daughter. The father didn't look out for his people. The sons didn't act in a way that honored the Lord. And now God himself is sullied by this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 be angry, yet do not sin. I'm just going to stop right there. Be angry and do not sin. Or, James chapter 1, verse 20. Now remember, these are all given by the Lord. Uh, these things that are, that are given are, are things that should be known. James chapter 1, verse 20, even by them. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. The anger of men does not achieve the righteousness of God. We also see here, the anger, we also see that association leads to assimilation. See the edges of it? Being inside of a culture that is pagan like this? It's no surprise that things like this happen. We would say that because of poor choices, Dinah's purity was taken. Because of poor, cho poor choices, Jacob's leadership was in question. Because of poor choices, Jacob's family was in danger of almost certain death. Because of poor choices, his family brought dishonor to the Lord. In fact, the Canaanites of the land would say, look, you represent your God, you do exactly what we do. We do the same thing. Now it's interesting because when we see the Israelites who would have received this story, the Israelites who would have known this historical narrative, the Israelites who, who received God's law would have seen not, you know, the, the typical law of the time, Code of Hammurabi, that you would see at this time would be like, if you, if you, if you take someone's eye, then that person can take their life and more. It isn't an eye for an eye, it's an eye then plus more. That's what they're seeing here. God gives us in his law that there is a fairness about justice. And what has happened here is certainly injustice in the name of the Lord because they enacted 
these, the, the covenant of circumcision to get their way. So the way we act testifies to what we believe. I have noted here, uh, Ecclesiastes, uh, it's not there in your notes, uh, Ecclesi- or, or not up on screen, excuse me, Ecclesiastes 7.9. Let's just take a look at that as we quickly come to a close. Do not be angry, uh, eager in your spirit to be vexed, for vexation rests in the bosom of fools. Or Ecclesiastes 8.11, because the sentence against an evil work is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully over to do evil. Father's inaction or lack of quick action demonstrated the sons that they felt they should take it on their own. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and discernment. We should seek the Lord in these things. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright, a shield to those who walk in integrity, to guard the paths of what? Justice. And he keeps the way of his holy ones then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Every good track. We know from Colossians 3.25, for he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Uncontrolled anger without seeking the Lord of what they should do, without seeking his instruction, has resulted in them in endangering their family, dishonoring God, and has taken them out of their senses. The senses. Uncontrolled anger also robs us of our control, takes us out of our senses, causes us to dishonor the Lord. You can watch any number of YouTube videos of people dishonoring the Lord in their anger. James 19, James chapter 1, 19, 20, know this, my beloved brothers, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God, and it certainly was not achieved here. What we're going to find out is Jacob's going to listen, and he's going to go back. He's going to go back to his homeland because of this. Therefore, we must seek justice and oppose evil in a, seek justice and oppose evil in a manner that brings honor and glorifies the Lord. We'll close on Romans 15. We should learn, as we can learn from this passage, Romans 15, chapter 4, or excuse me, Romans 15, verse 4, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through the perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And Israel is seeing this. Israel is seeing how they were violated. Israel seeing the nation of Israel, as Moses is giving to them, seeing how they acted without the Lord. They didn't trust in the Lord. They trusted in their own understanding. 
Proverbs tells us, don't trust our own understanding, but fear the Lord. It will give nourishment to your bones. It will give you life. They didn't do this. And as a result, although it starts out with the rape of Dinah, what we have is we essentially have the violation, the defilement of the Lord that has occurred here by their actions. Their choices had consequences. Their choices will have a long tail on it. Their choices will will create problems for them, Simeon and Levi, later on. So my encouragement as you read this passage is that we trust in the Lord. We fear the Lord first before we fear man. We seek the Lord in his guidance. We seek the Lord for what it means for justice for the Lord, what it means for truthfulness of the Lord. We trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for what he has done for us, and we trust in him for what he has for us, and we trust in the Holy Spirit guiding us in his word. Don't be like the sons of Jacob and run ahead of what God's word says, but trust in what the Lord has said, trust in what he has given to us, trust in what he will continue to do for us until we arrive on that heavenly shore. We just pray, Lord, give us light. Give us more and more and more light to your word. Our Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this tough, tough, tough story. Uh, let us contemplate it. Let us contemplate all the facets of it. Be with us this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.